Praise the Lord. Good morning. Start off with a little joke. Little Johnny, little Johnny went to Bible school in the summer. And anyway, he came home one day and his mom said, well, did you learn anything about God today? He said, oh, yeah. He's, um, he's our father in heaven. And... Um, um, oh, he's our father who does art in heaven, and Harold is his name. <laughs> there was, uh, I'll tell you another one since that one was kind of quick and I forgot it, but there was a, a pastor who, uh, who had a congregation kind of like the Corinthian church, and they were a little carnal. And uh, so at the end of the, the service that day, he said, Now next week, I'm going to, uh, I have a message planned, so I want all of you to promise me that you'll read Mark chapter 17 so that you'll be prepared, uh, and I'm going to teach a message on the sin of lying. And so the next week came around, and he asked by, for a show of hands all who had read Mark chapter 17 in preparation for the message, and almost all of them raised their hand. Well, the pastor reminded them that there's only 16 chapters in Mark, and he proceeded with the sermon online. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and patience and mercy and everything that you have for us today. Lord, I just ask that you use me, the willing vessel, a conduit to bless your children today and to speak your truth into their hearts. And uh, we just receive it with joy in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say hello to all those who listen uh, by other means, either by podcast or video um, uh, anytime in the future. Just want to say thank you to all of you all around the nation. And also, uh, I just thought I'd mention today, those of you in Germany, specifically in Frankfurt, I, I see you and I thank, thank God for you. And in Singapore as well, uh, we see your faithfulness and, uh, and we love you and pray for you. God bless you. Well, I was going to I was going to maybe tell you a, a little story about something that happened at, at the end of the message. If I had time, I was thinking about that on the this morning. And on the drive up here, I changed my mind and I decided I'd tell you first. So um, this is a true story. Um, and you can... Actually, this is something you can look up and see some pictures from the event, even though it was in the 50s or 60s when it took place. But um, a great man of God uh, who's gone on now, named R.W. Schambach, used to tell a story about a meeting he was in one time. He was asked what the greatest miracle he ever saw was, and he asked them if they had a couple of hours. But the story was about, an, uh, involved uh, a revivalist of the time that for the, from the 50s and 60s, an evangelist, revivalist named A.A. A. Allen. And R.W. Schambach was in, in his uh, meeting. He was uh, taking part in the meetings. He was serving under or with R.W. Schambach. I mean, A.A. A. Allen at the time. And there was, a, and they were having a healing uh, revival. And it went on for three nights. And um, R.W. Schambach had been teaching on faith. And then A.A. And then, uh, a. Allen would come up and minister. And, and, uh, and that went on for the first couple of days. And there was a woman there uh, from... Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, um, and 
this meeting was in Birmingham, Alabama. And back in that day, it was not an easy trip to make, especially for a young single mother uh, who had a four-year-old boy who was born with 26 um, deformities and diseases. There was really nothing um, proper about the boy. His feet were just uh, nubs. His elbow had grown into his little tummy and uh, his arms were not formed correctly and were powerless. He was deaf and dumb and blind and crippled and deformed in every way. And the doctors, this young woman had taken him everywhere she could and the doctors had given her the report that only God can help your son now. And so she took that quite literally and she made her way. She heard about this healing service uh, that was going to be taking place. And she went there all the way over to Birmingham with her boy. And she stayed in a motel there. And at the end of the second day, she went up to uh, Reverend Shambach, who was ministering alongside A.A. A. Allen. And she said, I've been here for two days. I came from Tennessee. She told him the story. And she said, I've paid the hotel bill and we've been eating, um, but I'm down to my last $20, period. And, and they've never called upon me to pray for my son. And uh, what can you do? And he said, well, I don't want to interfere with the man of God and what he's hearing. And I'm not going to apologize for what God is telling him to do in the services. But I can tell you this, if he doesn't call on you tonight, I'll go back with you at the end of the service and knock on the trailer where he's staying and we'll get prayer. And so she was comforted a little by that. Well, during the service on this third night, uh, they had already taken up an offering. And uh, when A.A. Uh, a. Allen got up there, he said, I'm going to take another offering, a faith offering. And he said, if you don't know what that means, it's one that requires faith. I want you to give something, he said, that is not easy for you to give, something that's hard on you. And it would require faith for you to do it. Don't, don't give out of your, your uh, provision, give out of your need, you know. And when he said that, this could no sooner grab the baskets than that young woman ran to the front of the church and R.W. Shambach saw that 20 go into the basket. She still had to get home and, and they still had to eat, but that was the last 20 and R.W. Shambach knew it. A.A. Allen didn't and he didn't know anything about this. But R.W. went to the back and with tears in his eyes, he, he cried out to God and he said, I've been trying to teach this woman, along with everyone else, faith for the last couple of nights. And now I'm asking you, God, to give me the faith that this young woman has. Well, <clears throat> A.A. Allen, after they took the offering, he began to speak. And he said, I see something now. I see a white building. And I'm, I'm walking down the hallway and it doesn't take me long to figure out where I'm at because I hear all the crying babies. I'm in a hospital. I'm in a maternity ward. And I see a child there. And I see a child has got 26 deformities and diseases. And said... That, that child is here tonight. Mama, you have that child here tonight. And as she heard him, she brings her child forward and she hands him over into the arms of A.A. A. Allen. And he tells everyone to close their eyes. Uh, R.W. Shambach was ministering and he said, Lord, I'm not going to. Be obedient this time. I'm going to be obedient to the word. 
says to watch and pray. And so he was watching, and the first thing he saw as A.A. Allen began to pray and holding that child was his tongue that had been hanging down onto his chin the whole time he had been there and for his whole life snapped like a rubber band back into his mouth. He said the next thing he saw was his eyes, which had just been milky white, began to swirl like pools. And then the brown eyes in that boy were restored and given to him his sight. And he knew that his hearing had come too. And the next thing you know, he heard his bones begin to crack and pop and his arms and, and hands came became normal and his feet grew in and his legs began to snap and pop and everything became normal and they set the boy down. He began to run and walk and took his first steps and he turned and he saw his mama and he ran to her and said his first word. He said, Mama, and he was totally healed. Now, that wasn't the end of it, although that's amazing and wonderful. Uh, but all of those uh, in, uh, that were there on crutches began to run forward and throw their crutches on the stage. They were all healed. And on one side of the stage, there were a line of people in wheelchairs, and they all simultaneously stood to their feet and were totally healed. And in back in those days, they had stretcher rooms in the back that they would go and pray for separately, and the other ministers would go and pray so as not to keep the infirmed right there in the midst. And they all simultaneously got up out of their stretcher beds and began to walk into the service. And so everyone was healed that night. And, and R.W. Schambach says that's, that's the greatest miracle he has ever seen, <laughs> of course. I wanted to tell you that story today. I just felt compelled to do it. I believe it will help somebody. God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. What's changed is the church the church and believers from the early days uh, in the book of Acts. And I believe we've entered into the beginning phases of a third great awakening. And our friend Andrew Womack has heard something even more recently than when he heard that the first time in Oklahoma City over a year ago now. And he heard something the other day and it's, it's even bigger and better than we thought. So uh, we're looking forward to word on that. I want to talk to you, I've been talking to you about the kingdom of God, the laws of the kingdom, the, the uh, principles that govern those laws, and, and we talked a lot about the law of pursuit, active pursuit of the law of focus, and how your, your life will go the way of your predominant thinking or what you focus on, and how God uh, is one who likes, he has sought you and drawn you to himself and now he likes to be sought after a little bit and that there are promises and rewards that go along with that. Amen. He says, ask, seek, knock. And to all those things was a positive response to all those who would. Amen. And we know that we talked about how pursuing him with our whole heart and finding him would lead to us knowing him. John 17, 3, Jesus said that is the very meaning of eternal life, knowing the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. Jesus said on that fateful night, well, He said in His ministry that not everyone who calls upon Him, calls Him Lord, Lord on that fateful day of judgment will enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, and so that's a very sobering statement. So we want to press in. We want to really become intimately um, involved with the Lord Jesus Christ on a personal basis. Someone can't have that relationship for us. We need to have it ourselves. And that's why we're learning to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the more you know about him, the more you will know him and the more you'll love him. 
and that will cause you to trust him. I talked last week about the fact that fear is your enemy. Fear comes from a person, the devil, Satan himself, and it's the opposite of faith. Fear is really putting trust in what the devil can do over and above what our God can do and has done on our behalf. Now today I want to talk to you a little bit about a couple of things that sort of go together. Having pursued God and come to know Him and come to trust in Him, now we want to become unshakable. We want to learn and grow about endurance or what I call lasting faith, staying power. Or to coin an old term, I grew up hearing just that old-fashioned stick-to-itiveness. Because that's what's missing with a lot of what is known as the church today. That good old five-syllable word, stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 12 through 29. Paul was comparing the covenant that we used to have, or not we, but the Jewish people used to have, that they were given on Mount Sinai that came through a man, Moses, and how that mountain was shaken. And, and then he starts comparing the new covenant and the kingdom that we've come to know and to have obtained in Christ and through Christ Jesus, the kingdom of God. Starting in verse 18, he says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, darkness and gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg no further messages to be spoken to them. That's what happened at the foot of Mount Sinai. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you, you and I, brothers and sisters, we have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembling of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What does that mean? The blood of Abel cried out for vengeance from the ground. The blood of Jesus calls out for mercy on your behalf. Good place to shout, folks. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, talking about Moses and the old covenant, much less will we escape if we, we, we reject who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence with reverence and all. For our God is a consuming fire. Folks, we must have enduring, lasting faith. Faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God, isn't it? When Jesus said, when I return, will I even find faith? He's going to be looking for faith, that which pleases God. Trusting in God, trusting in the promises of God. We need that faith so that we cannot be shaken. And can I just say there's a whole lot of shaking going on, folks. <laughs> 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 
But you know, you have endurance. You do. You have that staying, uh, lasting faith. How do I know? Because you must. You must. Because you do. You will be, you are, and you will be unshakable. Because you possess an unfair advantage, brothers and sisters. I heard a minister say that this life isn't fair. We Christians, we as believers in Jesus Christ, have an unfair advantage. Amen. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Ghost. And I'll go on to say we have the Word of God, the Kingdom of God. We have a new covenant with better promises, a better covenant. We have the Lord God Almighty. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have God as our Father. Praise be to God. Turn to Matthew chapter 24 with me if you would. Matthew chapter 24, starting in the first verse. Jesus speaking. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the building of the temple. But he answered, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. They will deliver you up for, to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus is informing us that in these last days, he's, he's trying to prepare us. He's, he's giving us warning and instruction there, isn't he? Yes. Lawlessness shall abound. It's not a question. It's a fact. It's a statement of fact that he made, and so we know that it's true. And the other thing is that we must endure to the end. Mark chapter 13, another witness, verse 13. Jesus said, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So in the midst of betrayal by the world and even loved ones, Jesus talks about, we must hold out. It is not an option. We have to endure. And really that's not so hard when you come to know the truth. I say all the time, you can't unscramble these eggs. I'm like Peter and the disciples in John chapter 6, verse 66. That's John 666. He offended a lot of folks that day. And it says, and many departed and followed him no more. That's the spirit of Antichrist came upon them. And then he turned to Peter and the other disciples and he said, you want to leave too? They said, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Once you're truly a believer, you can't unbelieve. <laughs> 
I don't understand how that happens. I don't see how people's hearts can wax cold if they really come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What else is there? Everything else you see and know is going to be shaken and burned up with fire. The only thing that's going to remain is this Word of God and the Kingdom of God. Romans chapter 5, the first five verses. Imagine that. Paul said, Therefore, since we have been justified... That's just as if I'd never sinned. In the eyes of God, you are justified if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. By faith, you have been justified. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No Jesus, no peace. K-N-O-W, Jesus, no peace. What the enemy tries to do, what false religion and witchcraft try to do, is separate Jesus from the Godhead. Because without Him being divine, we're still in our sins, you see? And that's what they want. Oh, He was a good man. That's what every religion will tell you about Jesus. Every false religion, that is. My answer, either call Him God or quit calling Him good. Through Him, Jesus, that is, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You see the latter of progression here. And hope does not put us to shame. This is the fifth verse. And these are the ones that I sought out all these verses about. All those who put their trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. Because I had lived my life in shame. I was born into shame. And I needed this. And it was so liberating to find out that I had a Father in Heaven who loved me. And that, I would, and that Jesus bore all my shame, shame upon His body on the cross. And now I can run boldly right into the throne room of grace that I may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. No shame. No judgment. Only love, peace, guidance, direction, joy in the presence of my Father in heaven. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Perseverance produces character and that character is refined in the fires of the trials of this life, folks. God's kind of love, the only true love, is a matter of character. I'm not talking about being a character. I'm talking about growing in God's character, producing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Remember the fruit that God desires and requires or expects from His children is fruit of the Spirit, which is growth in our godly character and fruit of reproducing other baby Christians from the seed of God's Word that is in us. Hallelujah. Spiritual children of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. Thank you for those who bring your Bibles or your devices. Colossians 9, I mean 1, 9 through 11. 9, 11, 9 through 11, 9, 1, 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 says, And so, from the day we heard, this is Paul, We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. You can be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Of all, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing, there we go again, that ladder of progression, increasing in the knowledge of God. What do I always say? That we're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ because peace can be multiplied in our lives by those things. Being strengthened with all power. Where does the power for the Christian life come from? Holy Ghost. According to his glorious might for all endurance. There we go again. Endurance and patience with joy. When we're filled with the knowledge of God's will, it will affect the way we live. It'll be a byproduct. That relationship and that knowing him will result in the byproduct of the, the good living that all religion is striving after in their own self-effort, you see, and failing miserably, I might add. When you know God and you stand in the grace of God and you understand the righteousness of God by faith, it will cause you to live holier by accident than you ever could have on your own, praying three times a day and and uh, blowing yourself up for God, and that doesn't work, folks. That's not God. That's not inspired by God. And it's hateful to God. And He wants all those dear, deceived people to be free from all those false prophets and come to the knowledge of Him, the one true God, His Son, Jesus Christ, and to be led and guided through this life to their eternal destiny with their heavenly bridegroom, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12 says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience let me just back up a minute. You may not be sluggish. You know, one of the biggest problems in this nation and in the world, I'm not talking about just the physical laziness that has come rampant upon in this nation, which the Bible has nothing good to say about laziness ever. But there is a spiritual sluggishness that God despises as well. Most There are people that will go out when they're past the age of digging and go and dig all day and hammer all night and they just, they can't sit still. They're going to be working on something and that's, that's fine. Don't stop working. I think when you go, think you retire to a recliner, that's when you just melt into it and die. So work is good, but there is, there is a certain amount of tenacity and effort and work that is required in the spiritual realm to do your due diligence if you really want the things of God. I was talking to Joey earlier. I said, this ain't for sissies. It ain't for sissies. <laughs> all the tough guys get mad when I say that because they have to lay all that toughness aside and learn how to be tough in God's way. They have to learn about the Ephesians chapter 6, put on the armor of God, and none of it, the only offensive weapon in there is this Word of God right here. Hallelujah. But, don't be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience, endurance, lasting, sustained faith, inherit the promises. See, all the promises in, in Christ, 8,000 of them or so in this book, are yes and amen. Yes for you. They're granted. Yes. On account for you. Yes. But how do you get them to manifest into the sweet now and now, into this soulish realm, and into this body where you can benefit from them in this life? By standing, enduring, in faith. Hallelujah. So you, you go out, you find, a, you find the promise that pertains to your situation, your circumstance, you claim it, 
You said, what did I say, baby? Well, Father, Dad, you said this. I believe you. I claim it. And I'm not going to waver. I believe that I have what I prayed for when I prayed, and I shall have it. Mark 11, 24. It's a kingdom of opposites. The world tell you, I believe it when I see it. God says, then you're not going to see it. He said, believe now, and then you will see it. If you don't waver in doubt and unbelief. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just preaching the truth. We'll, we'll come along together. Amen. And it's not condemning either. Believe me, we all fail every day at some point, some level, in thought or deed or knowing the right thing to do and not doing it, errors or no omissions, no condemnation. Jesus paid for all that. God loves you the same. So please, don't look at this as works. By grace you have been saved through faith. We're learning how to put our faith that God has given us into that grace that Jesus has provided through the atonement. Amen. Amen. Lastly, well, let me say this first. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. We're not trying to, he's not trying to shake your confidence. He's trying to build up, undergird your confidence, your trust in Him and what He has said to be true. Because your confidence, that's Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, because your confidence has great reward. He says, for you have, not, you have need of endurance. There it is again. Your confidence has great reward because you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And lastly, in Hebrews 12, 1, I want to point out the fact that this is a race that we're in, folks. If you don't realize it, you're just going to lose. <laughs> if you're going to be in a race, it's good to know you're in the race, isn't it? <laughs> so you don't go the wrong direction. But I, I never have really enjoyed running, folks. I know some people that are just, they just, that makes them happy. I, I just need to go run. Oh, really? Is somebody chasing you? <laughs> I, I love, I, I had other forms of exercise I always loved. And, you know, everybody's different. We're all different. I just don't think I was made for running. I, I never saw the... Uh, I don't know. I'm just not a runner. And I wasn't good at it for that reason, too. I just didn't uh, apply myself, uh, especially to the type of race that we're in. I could run pretty quick, uh, but I, I sure wasn't good at the long-distance stuff. And uh, I'd start off pretty good. They put me in a 440 or whatever one time in track, and, man, I was tearing them up. And uh, part of the way... <laughs> and then I wasn't <laughs> but this is a marathon this Christian life this race that we're in it's not a sprint folks that's why we're talking about endurance stick to itiveness. I've seen a lot of people start out just roaring and ripping to go and oh man they were just on fire for God and then I just didn't see them no more. And I can tell you this, a lot more of them than of you. That's why these messages are important. Because if, you, if you're aware of the enemy's tactics, it makes you more prepared to defend huh? and resist him. He's a defeated foe. We talked about last week, Fear is the liar. Fear is the enemy. He tries to deceive you. He's a liar and a deceiver and he wants to 
con you into giving him some of your authority. You're a creative, powerful being, being a child of God. The devil is not. He's never created anything in his life, and he never will. And Jesus defeated him and put him to open public shame, triumphing over him. But most Christians miss the parade. And so they're still putting more confidence, trust, and faith in what the devil can do. Whether they admit it or know it or not, they're doing it by their words and thoughts and focus than what God has done for them and can do. Therefore, Hebrews 12.1, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone on before believing, let us also lay aside every weight. Remember what I talked about? Rolling off your cares onto the Lord. <coughs> lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run the race with endurance. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Now, now what? So you've decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. Now what? I'm standing in faith. Well, now your faith is going to be tested, folks. Not trying to scare anyone, just prepare you. Some of you say, you didn't have to tell me that. I've already known. I've, I see it. Been there. I got, the, I got the badge. I got a bunch of badges. Matter of fact, Eagle Scout in the testing of my faith. I understand. I understand. But we still need to discuss it. Peter said redundancy is good in God. Hmm. Your faith has to be tested. It's tested in the fires of adversity, the trials of life. But remember the Lord's instruction. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And if you're in Christ and he's in you, you are an overcomer too. Amen. This is all just temporary, folks. Jesus went to prepare a place for you. An eternal one. Hallelujah. Your test isn't your good works, though, folks. Which is a byproduct of the relationship and trusting Jesus. Your test is in trusting God. Will you trust God? Will you continue to stay trusting God? Will you keep your focus on God? Because that's what the enemy wants to talk you out of, isn't it? We get weary in our souls. And that's why we go back to the throne. That's why we go back to Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You read some of these things, and if you don't, know the Bible and the characters of the Bible well enough, you might say, well, who are you, buddy? You hadn't been through what I have been through. All these men were martyred for their faith, okay? And they counted it pure joy, all except for John. They tried to kill him. History tells us they put him in a hot oil or something, tried to boil him to death, and he swam around in it like a refreshing bath. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith, here we go, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. 
So if we hold on, if we endure, it's going to shape every area of our character in this life. That's God's promise. Refined as in the fire, just like the silversmith. This word is being refined in you just like silver. They used to heat it up to boiling and then let it cool. And the dross, the impurities and imperfections would, would rise to the top. And then the silversmith would scrape them off of the top. And then you know what he'd do? He'd start again. Turn the fire and the crucible up all the way and get it to boiling again. And all the impurities again would rise to the top. And he did this seven times, scraping off until the silversmith could look into the silver and see his own reflection. That's what God is doing in you. And in me. Amen. Because he loves you. Second Corinthians 12.12. Paul said some interesting things. He said that in Second Corinthians 12.12, he said, The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience talking to the Corinthians church. The, uh, some of the translations, the New King James, the New American Standard, the NIV say, instead of utmost patience, they say perseverance. <laughs> With signs and wonders and mighty works. You say, well, those are the signs of the apostles, signs and wonders and mighty works. Well, the first evidence of an apostolic ministry is endurance. <laughs> Yeah, this is an apostolic ministry here. We are part of the five-fold ministry. We believe in all the, the gifts of the Spirit. You see, that story I told you today about R.W. Shambach and A.A. Allen. R.W. Shambach had preached his heart out for those three nights about faith. And that child wasn't healed. Does that mean you just throw the word out and the teaching is no good? No, Jesus, it talks about Jesus teaching a lot more than it does him preaching. Teaching is necessary. We need the word of God. But what that woman needed that last final night, she needed a show of the Holy Ghost. She needed him to show up and show off. And she needed a, a miracle. And thank God A.A. A. Allen was operating in that office. We need all of it. And we're going to have all of the gifts through this place. I'm not going to invite a lot of teachers here because you have a great one. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I, I'm just... <laughs> we got to laugh, folks. Believe me. <laughs> if you know how hard it is for me. I don't just show up here. My wife just seems to think I could just show up and do this. Uh a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to hear what God wants to say specifically to y'all. I could show up anywhere and just open the Bible and start preaching, but it wouldn't be fair to you. I start seeking him about what he has for the people that are going to be here and the people that are going to hear this message some other way in the future. I start asking him about that for the next week when I leave here today. After we celebrate a little bit about what he's done today, amen. <laughs> oh, where was I? 12-12, I think, yeah. So the... <laughs> Second Timothy, I, I want to talk to you about Second Timothy. And uh, I'm going to try to proceed here. But Second Timothy, Paul talked about the end times and some of the things we can expect. And in... Um, the third chapter, he talks about the end days. And I, I would read this, but I just encourage you to read it later on. 2 Timothy chapter 3, he talks about the godlessness in the last days and how people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, un, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of... Pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. 
I know a bunch of those folks. And God bless them. I can only go by what I see and judge what I see. We are supposed to judge all things, but no person. You see? You judge everything you see. So, when you read, judge not lest you be judged, it's not what he's talking about. He's saying, be careful in your judgment, because with the same judgment you use, you're going to be judged yourself by others. But we're called to judge everything. Not everyone. The world hates you because when you judge their sin, they say, you hate me. They say, no, I love you. I love you so much, I'm willing to tell you the truth. Because you're opening doors for the enemy into your life. And that enemy is out to steal from you, to kill you, destroy you and your family and everyone you love. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Nevertheless, what I was wanting to point out from 2 Timothy chapter 4 is in 3, I'm not going to keep reading that, but he talks about all the godlessness in the end times and how but he, he's instructing Timothy because Paul's getting ready to go home. And he knows it. And, he, and he's, he's instructing Timothy. He loves him and he has a sense of urgency. And he's telling this young preacher that he loves and has taken in as his own son in the, in the faith. He's, he's telling him what to be mindful of and to be on the lookout for because this is going to happen. And if I read chapter 3, you're like, yeah, that's, that's today. right? So, and then he tells him to, to be strong. To be to, to preach the word, to 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 not lose his confidence, and to not let anyone despise his youth. He's just giving him all this fatherly instruction. And then in chapter four, and I'm trying to get down to where he gets into a very personal time, and he's like, Oh yeah, he's wrapping up the letters and he's talking about all the people and how he's gonna who he's going to send and how he's going to... And he tells him, even even send me the cloak that I left there. You know, he's cold. He's, he's in prison, right? He's cold. And he said, and and especially the, the scrolls, you know, the Word of God. And, and, you know, very personal time. But he says, do your best to come to me soon for Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. A lot of people will fall away. A lot of people, that's why I tell people, I, I want you to be prepared. I want the Word to prepare you. I want you to have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus and know your authority and provision that has been made for you because most of your Christian life is going to be spent alone. You're not going to be able to go to an A.A. Allen meeting every day. be wonderful if we could all just sit on that mountaintop all the time. Amen. But ministry and life are in the valley. And you need to be prepared. Because under pressure, even some of the most faithful, you see Paul, he's talking about people that that have been a great assistance to him in his ministry. They had all abandoned him, you see, for the world, some of them, he said. They lack endurance. We're not going to be those people. When you get rid of all your options, I can't tell you how many married folks I've told this to when they have trouble, as all do. First thing I tell the young ones, especially... Get rid of all your exit strategies. Get rid of all your plan B's. Get rid of all your locked drawers and separate accounts and your exit strategies and make up your mind that marriage is for life between one man and one woman and God is going to take that union and make you one flesh and the reason the devil hates it so much is because that's the most powerful relationship in the world. The most powerful relationship apart from your personal relationship with God Himself is the power of the husband and wife in agreement together. 
That's why it's so hard because the enemy is always right there. But if you're aware of that, you'll resist him and reject him. And the woman will honor and respect her husband and the man will love his wife no matter what. No matter what they do or how they treat you, you do what God says for you to do and let God work on them. And by you doing what God has called you to do and to be, it will bring them to the place that you really were hammering on them to get to. That you never could force them to. God can do it gently. Just by you living the life that God has called you to and loving the way that you're supposed to or respecting and honoring the way that you're supposed to. I don't know how I got off into that. It's helping somebody, praise God. But our faith is being tested. Matthew chapter 13, verses 19 through 23. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, this is the parable of the four soils, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So Jesus is saying when you hear the word of God and you don't understand it, the devil comes immediately and takes it from you. He's after this word because the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. And he knows if you'll take the truth of this word and, and plant it deep in your heart and allow it to take root and bear fruit, that you'll be strong as horseradish and he won't be able to snatch you away. So he comes to steal the word from you. That is what is sown along the path. He's describing the four types of soil. That's the path, people. And he says, as for what is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, anyone comes against the word and see you, you're not very well armed at that point. You're still a baby Christian and you, you're excited about what you've heard and you want to go and tell all your friends and then they start shooting you down and you're like, oh yeah, well, you know. Uh, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. As for what is sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And for what was sown in good soil, look, this is the only one out of the four that re brings a harvest. What is sown into good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. We'll talk about that another time. Your faith will be tested, is the point. And the enemy of your soul, he is the one who will come after this word that is sown in your heart. We have to go through two kinds of testing to achieve endurance, or what I call lasting faith. To last, to, to last in ministry, folks, which I know everybody's not doesn't think of yourself as a minister, but you are. <laughs> if, you, if you've come to the kingdom of God, you may not have a pulpit ministry, but you're still in ministry. <laughs> you're supposed to be. Your life is ministry. Huh? If you have the seed of God's word in you. Or even just to live, let's just say, the true Christian life where Jesus and his words are the focus and desire and truth that you live by. You have to maintain the love of God, compassion, and skin as thick as an elephant, folks. Otherwise, you won't make it. You'll turn to a man-pleasing spirit, which is a snare. Or you'll get offended. You'll get your feelings hurt. You'll get discouraged. And the danger is of you falling away. All the way to reprobate is possible. I know some don't believe that, but it's true. Where you lose all sensitivity to God's voice and you reject Him. It's not him rejecting you. It's you who did the rejecting. You know, No one here. No one here. 
No one who's listening to this message either, ever. In Jesus' name, amen. The tests, the two tests I talked about, one is when, when life is hard. Makes sense. When the trials and the tribulations, you come and you get hot, you weary and you get tired and you get, it's just hard. Persecution comes on account of the word. And the second test is when it's easy. Yeah. If you won the lottery today, I don't know how many of you would be here next week. I hope all of you. I know when, remember I told you recently somebody won the billion dollar lotto? My wife and I were talking about that. And you know the first thing she asked me? She goes, ooh, it's that much. She goes, how much would that tithe be? First thing she asked me. In all sincerity. <laughs> I said, a lot, baby. And probably a lot more than that because we don't need that much money, but we would do some wonderful things for the kingdom of God. She said, yeah. <laughs> so, how can we achieve this lasting faith? I'm trying to wrap it up here. The endurance that God requires. Just make a firm, unequivocal, no looking back, determined, unreserved commitment to Jesus Christ. Put Him first in your life, in everything that you do. Well, I'm not even close to being finished today. A few less tears and uh, sweat about next week because I already have a starting point. Amen? We never finish. We just stop and start again. But if I go any further, I'm going to get deeper into some things that God wants to share with you. But my time is up and your, your minds can only absorb as much as your seats can endure. Amen. I love you all and God bless you. You get anything out of this today? Amen. Will you just resolve with me to make your commitment? to Jesus, to keep Him first and center place in your life and your marriage and your home and your finances and your health and your work and everything to do with you. Can I show of hands? Praise God. That's 100%. Well, I just like I tell those married folks that I minister to that I can guarantee them 100% success rate with God. Even when they, well, the, the church is about 50, 50%, just like the world. I said, I don't care about your church attendance. If you're a Christian, you need to be in church, just like if you're a car, you need to be in a garage. But, but going and standing in a garage doesn't make me a car any more than you going to church make you a Christian. Now, you need to be in church. You need to be submitted somewhere and learning and growing and serving. That's God's plan. The church is His only plan to get this word out and to get everybody saved that he can to join the family of God. Amen? And to help you grow. If you're going to have problems, you need to have them in the church with other church folks where you have not a... where you have strong leadership who can help you through that. Not just be a church hopper where when you get offended here, you go down the street and find a, a preacher that allow you to act that way. That's not helping anyone. Not helping you either. But you need to hear the truth in love, of course. If you ever think I'm not loving you because the message is hard, just come and talk to me. Come and pray with me. Let's see the tears I shed for all of you and the love that I have for you. The things God shares with me about you. His desires for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this awesome day. Thank you for this beautiful group of believers true believers that you have here with me today. I just feel, I feel your presence, Lord, in and through all of them. I thank you, Lord, that they receive this, this tough message with joy and gladness. I can see it in their eyes, Lord, that they're taking it to heart and that it's going to take root and bear fruit in their lives and that they'll be helped, healed everywhere they hurt, empowered by your promises 
They'll know your love and they'll be prospered in every area of their life. And with that same help they receive, they'll go and help others, Lord, which is your desire. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless y'all. And have Messiah come up and do a song and then we'll be dismissed. Praise God. Love you all.